How has your family damaged you? If you had a time machine, which of your mistakes would you fix? What turns you on in the workplace? Welcome to Confessions, the podcast where you get to hear different people confess. Thanks for coming on again, Dan. And is it Dan? Is it ever Dan? Or is it only ever Danny? I mean, to be honest, the only time it's Dan is, is if it's someone who doesn't really know me. I don't know, you know, it's a good question because some people call me Dan. My mum will call me Dan or Daniel if I'm in trouble. Um, but my mum never calls me Danny, but my friends call me Danny. So it's a good question. I'm not sure how, how someone decides whether I'm a Dan or a Danny. Um, I usually, you know, I tend to respond to most names. So <laughs> it's whatever works for you, Nick. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sort of similar. I mean, I'm Nick to everybody except my mum to whom I'm Nicholas. Ah. But that has occasionally been a problem because I book flights, I book them under Nick and my passport, of course, says Nicholas. And there's been a couple of occasions where they've said we might refuse to allow you on the plane, which is kind of odd. Oh, wow. That's a bit of a predicament. But anyway, we've gone off at a tangent. So let me explain what we're going to do today. Um, so it, it's a podcast called Confessions and I've got three decks of cards and I'm going to call those decks of cards um, extreme and revealing and uptight and the reason for that is they contain different kinds of questions they're all kind of revealing questions um but the extreme ones are obviously extremely revealing the revealing ones are just kind of regular revealing and the uptight ones are just you know a little easy going so for the benefit of anyone listening um which pile have you chosen to go for danny so i've, I've chose to go for the extreme yeah mm, why not why not good so the way that works is I don't just ask you extreme questions because I think I wouldn't be able to broadcast it if I did. Um, but I've mixed them in with the revealing ones. So you'll get a mix of kind of revealing questions and extreme questions. But, and this is important, the purpose of the podcast isn't to embarrass people. So if there's any question you'd rather not answer, um, just say next question and we'll move seamlessly on. Is that okay? Yep, that's okay by me. Cool. So the first thing I'd like you to do is to introduce yourself as if it were a dating profile. So if you're introducing yourself, Danny, um, my name is Danny, what would you say about yourself on a, on a dating profile? Okay, that's a really good question. And <laughs> what a nice opener. Um, so I, I think there's two, there's, there's two answers to that. There's the answer which I know people will be really interested in, in kind of, wanting to kind of swipe the right way for me. And then there's the answer for what I would describe myself. Mm -hmm. So I guess if I was to describe myself on the fact that I don't really want anyone to, to kind of say, yes, I like the idea of him, it would be someone who likes bright colors, um, mm -hmm. kind of likes, yeah, likes trying things out for the sake of doing it and saying they've done it and, mm -hmm. and making an educated guess on whether they should do it again or not. Um, but more importantly, I think it's just someone who likes to kind of be creative and someone who will always try something once and maybe twice if it's good. That's good. What's the other description? So I think the other description is of one who goes, Hey, um, you know, kind of assuming I was single, it would be single bachelor, you know, quite a good looking guy, likes to be active, um, likes doing the usual stuff, you know, social, going out for, you know, drinks and you've got to be mind it i've not been single for a long time um, <laughs> um, um yeah i think it's just the usual carbon kind of profile and it? it's it's the you know like socializing like spending time with friends like going to the gym the usual kind of the thing what makes you gem like quite like general but on, mm -hmm. also has a, a kind of element of safety and doesn't you know, isn't some sort of nutter. I don't mm. know. I'm really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Well, are you ready for your first question? Let's do it. Right. So the questions can range across kind of career, kind of relationships, sex, money, anything. So I don't know what's coming up. So let's have a look at the first one. Okay. So um, first question, what would you fix in your life? with infinite money what would I fix in my life infinite money 
Um, wow, that's a strong question. I think the thing what I'd fix with infinite money would, would be a range of things, but assuming it's just one. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I, I think I would wanna, I'd wanna make it a safer place. I'd wanna make the world a safer place. And I'm not really sure how I would do that with infinite money. And maybe when I say safer place, maybe it's more a case of giving people access to the things what we take for granted. So like, so here's an example. Years and years and years ago when I was in school, um, I always wanted to set up a school for kids who had learning difficulties. And I wanted the school to be very different to kind of what you get in a normal school. And just because it was a massive thing what was overlooked when I was in school, so dyslexia, blah, 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 blah. And they, they kind of get forgotten about. Where I think times have changed now a bit, and you know, people, you know, there's more awareness to learning difficulties and whatnot. But I still think only a few years ago, I was working with um, some young adults who was on kind of the spectrum. So mm-hmm. you know, some of them had kind of autism and stuff. And um, it's just little things what was massively overlooked, like how to, you know, these people kind of come out of the education system or whatever. And then they don't have these skills of just how to deal with money, you know, but mm-hmm. the concept of money. And, and I, I seen firsthand these people be taken for granted by our society and people seeing it as a quick win and, you know, there's a, there's a quick couple of pounds to be made off that person because they don't understand money and stuff. Mm. So I think I'd, 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 it's, more, it's probably more about protecting the vulnerable. And what if it was just your life? Um, so if it were just restricted to things you could change in yours? Okay. Um, change mine. I think I'd want to have the freedom to be able to change on the fly. And when I say this sounds like a weird one, so like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if we want to make a life decision or a decision in career or, you know, actually I want to build this textile up or I want to do this, I want to do that. It's got so much planning what you've got to do. And it's like reverse engineering. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got to wait for to find a, a a programmer or a developer, and I've got to wait for this, and I've got to wait for that. Then I've got to, then I've got to try and manage that with the fact of a job, and I've got to try and do it on the cheap because I don't want. So forget about the money to be able to do them things. I think it's the money to be able to have some random ideas and just wake up in the morning and do it. So it's more, yeah. it's probably flexibility. Got it. Next question. How have you let down your parents? Oh, um, um, hmm. How have I let down my parents? Obviously, instantly, there's a part of me that says I have never let my parents down. But, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there is somewhere along the lines. Um, I, I think I've let down my parents because I think you, your mum and dad bring you up to be this this good boy or this good girl and, and, and kind of they expect their their values and morals to be embedded into you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think when you break their expectations of you is, is letting them down in a way. So I know there was a time when I, when I kind of I split up with my partner and we was having a bit of a break and, and um, yeah, we were just, we weren't really sure where we wanted to go. It was either we make the leap and, kind of continue with our relationship or we have a break and kind of reassess what's actually going on. And mm-hmm. I think the way I dealt with that um, probably wasn't the best. And I remember having a conversation with my mum and going, I was, I was in her house, so I just kind of moved back with my parents and I was mm-hmm. in the tiniest box room you can imagine. And it was just, yeah, it was horrific. It was like, it was smaller than like a prison cell. And, and I remember kind of, I was having a bit of a wobble and like I was, I was pretty upset actually. Mm. I remember coming and going, it's not the fact that it was, it was like them lines, you know, I'm not angry, I'm dis- just disappointed. It was mm. one of where, where my mum came up to me and she said, I just, you know, I just think we've brought you up better to deal with that differently, better. And I was like, hmm, like how I, how I, de- how I dealt with that split, that, that kind of, that time out. For me looking at it now, I still think I dealt with it quite well. Like, you know, it, 
we still mm. did it but i think i think what was probably happening was i was clear this was going to be a break and i needed to break to be that break for me to get my head around things going on mm. i needed to be a bit harsh and mm. not do this softy soft approach where i needed to be able to go right we're having a break that means we're not going to see each other every day and we're, you know we're not going to kind of mess each other every day it's a break for a reason yeah. my mum wanted me to be more um more subtle and more softy softer mm. approach so i think maybe maybe that was probably the, the biggest yeah yeah the biggest time where she didn't necessarily say it but i could kind of see it yeah i think that was, that was quite upsetting actually when i think back to it it was quite you know no one really wants to let the parents down do they and it wasn't necessarily me letting them down i think it was just a case of i went against the grain of what their values and their behaviors and their expectations were mm. thanks daddy okay. next question yep All right which of your exes would you like to go back and sleep with Oh, um, there's two, there's two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I think, right. So there's one, the first one was a girl called Natalie. Obviously mm-hmm. I won't give us her names. And, um, I was probably, probably about 16, 17, I reckon. And she was like the, the hottest girl in you know in all our friends and whatever else but she was like in this other group and every now and again she would kind of hang around with us and but she was quite exclusive in that respect like you wouldn't see her all the time and we was at a party and uh um, yeah we did what obviously most young people would do we we got drunk and um anyway as most house parties in them days the best way i can describe how i live my youth is very much like you would see on skins on on television uh-huh. Relate to that TV program so so much, but so anyway, the night turned into day, and as you do, you kind of in this bed together with this girl, this this Natalie, and um, yeah, we kind of found ourselves in this really. It was like a it was like a scene out of In Between Us, where we're both laying next to each other naked <laughs> and kind of just looking at each other, making eye contact. But it was like, who makes the first movie? Who does and who doesn't? And then it got to one point where kind of she she might you know put it on me and was was game and for some bizarre reason which i still can't put my finger on it to this day i kind of switched off i was like nah i'm not interested maybe i was trying to play it cool so <laughs> that kind of bit me in the ass didn't it because in the end nothing happened but she was she was lovely she was like really really pretty mm-hmm. and then there's another one called rachel um and she she was kind of half Italian, I think, if I remember rightly, mm-hmm. or something along them lines. And kind of, she was, again, you know, very, very exclusive kind of, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? When, when, when you're so used to kind of English girls and kind of the standard, if you like, of the expectations, you know, when someone comes in here who's kind of a little bit different, it's like, whoa, magpies, magpies. And what then, do you think that is? I mean, you use that that word exclusive twice. You know, what is it about that? Do you think? I think it's like um, it's a bit like that thing what you can't have. So mm. you get, I think we, I think we get so used to kind of hanging around with the same people and being the same, um, you know, having the same conversations or whatever. When someone fresh comes into your life, it's got that kind of everything's new again. Like everything's everything's like shiny and, and everything's great but there's a there's a, a kind of um, study what's kind of proved this there's a book called sex at dawn it says it kind of talks about how when a guy meets another girl you know if he's in a relationship or he's married or whatever mm. the girl the guy's natural testosterone peaks so when you spend time with that person colors are more vibrant tastes are more kind of you know more stronger everything's more vivid and so then you associate the feeling of, of everything being more you know times 100 to that person so what you end up doing is you end up going to that person forgetting about your wife or your girlfriend or whatever else and leaving them and then obviously when you spend time with someone your testosterone kind of comes mm-hmm. back again to a natural level and then that's when you realize you've left a good girl at home for probably someone who's going to you know throw your, your bunny in the microwave yeah, well, let's hope that doesn't happen. Mm. Yeah, right. 
but she wasn't. I still speak to her every now and again. Um, so she isn't some sort of nutter. But yeah, they're the two what got away, I guess. Yeah. Right. Your next question, Danny. Yeah. Is what part of your body do you worry might put a lover off? Um, <laughs> what a good question. <laughs> um, at this moment in time, at this moment in time, I'd probably say it's my upper torso. So since I've snapped, like, you know, since I've snapped my ACLs in my knees, certain things I can't do now. So certain activities where I do, say, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or cage fighting, I've had to dial that right back now. So it's hard because anything what is kind of quite high impact, so anything what I would do, like what was CrossFit, kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, my, my activity level's dropped. So I'm getting, I'm getting this kind of full-on, like, dad bod, which kind of every day when I see myself naked in the mirror, because, you know, I do that every day, um, I want to claw my eyes out. So at the moment, it's probably that. It's probably that. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I've also got feet like Gollum. I'm not a big lover of my feet. <laughs> so it could what be do you mean feet, feet like Gollum? Oh, so like, if you can picture like hobbit feet, that's the best way I can describe it. So whenever I'm saying my family's or whatever, and we're having, you know, I'm having a laugh with my brothers, that's literally their go-to is my, my toes. But realistically, they're not that bad, I don't think. But <laughs> it must be a thing for him to keep pulling it out. However, when I was in school, it used to be my lip. So I've got quite a big um, bottom lip. Mm-hmm. And as I say, when you're in school, anything what's slightly out of the ordinary is a thing to be kind of, you know, get ripped for. But yeah. I've kind of grown to love my lip now. Um, so, yeah, it's probably this dad bod what's kind of slowly building its way up on my feet. Yeah. yeah. However, however, there's another one, actually. Uh, <laughs> so when I was in... So when I was in um, school, <clears throat> this is going to probably be off point to your listeners, but it's fine. So um, I was probably about 12. Yeah, about 12. Anyway, I was out with my mates on my bike and it was raining. And um, kind of cycling home. And as I was cycling home, I slipped off my pe- pedals and whacked my, you know, my, my testicles on that bar. Anyway, being 12, I was in pain, but that was it. Job done didn't think anything of it and then about 14 15 years old I started getting this real pain in my groin and what I didn't what I didn't realize was when I slipped on my bike then three years before I kind of knocked one of my, my testicles into my groin and what was happening was as I was coming like be turning into like a man if you like my, my like yeah everything was ready to change and for me to kind of start you know voice breaking and all that and what was happening mm-hmm. was my testicle was growing in my groin and causing severe pain. It was so, stuck up. Yeah, it was it was full on stuck up. So I had to have an operation when I was young, probably about sixteen. Wow. And I remember I remember kind of I remember having that operation done and kind of having to pass water, you know, so you can be released to go home. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like I weed out blood and nearly passed mm-hmm. out in the toilet. That was an interesting one. But for a while, that was probably my thing where I was a bit more paranoid about i guess so I've, i think throughout life i think we get certain certain parts of us what we go back and forth with mm. um, but my feet my feet have kind of always been the, the standard i think so yeah maybe it's my, my feet mainly my big toe okay here's the next <laughs> okay. next one is um what salary level for another person starts to make you feel humiliated at your earnings so at what salary level for somebody else do you start to feel humiliated, if if you do? Um, so, so just to clarify, Nick, so are we saying if someone's kind of above me on salary, what makes me feel a bit kind of little by it? Is it kind of yeah. like that, yeah? Yeah. Um, right now, none. Um, a while back, probably when I was in my old two days, I think anyone who was probably over over fifty k, fifty five k, kind of that that was that was where I was like, oh, I I kind of felt a bit yeah, you know, you'd be talking to someone if you're on say twenty six, thirty two, you're like, hey, I'm on a good salary, and then right. um, you talk to someone else and they're like fifty five, sixty or whatever, and then you kind of yeah, I think that was it because I think at that time my my head my head probably would have been well it was 
big salary equals more intelligence, equals more, you know, better at the job, equals all these things. When obviously in reality, we all know now that isn't the case. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think probably probably around that age was yeah probably about fifty fifty five. At this moment in time, when I talk to some of the people in the role what I do, I'm talking mm-hmm. to these people that are on like 100, 120, whatever, whatever. I've kind of got made around the fact that just because I want to sell it doesn't mean for a be all end all. Um, mm-hmm. But but that is something what's that's something what's kind of took time for me to get round. That's mm-hmm. not always been the case. So yeah, it's an it's an interesting question that. But in the accepting that the world isn't fair um yeah i think it's just like i think i think i don't think it's accepting the world isn't fair i think it's just a case i'm I'm on a salary now where i'm happy mm-hmm. and obviously the role i'm in where it's consultant i'm working with some of these people who are on higher pay you know higher wage and higher salary mm-hmm. but when they're coming to me for advice you kind of i don't know i don't know if it's balancing power again and kind of restoring that that faith that just because you're on a better salary it doesn't mean you know you're the expert um but i think two things have happened to help that one me being a consultant has helped with that and and obviously to maturing but three being on a salary now where i'm generally happy like i could take on a bigger role now and i'd still be happy with the salary what i'm on because i have enough to kind of pay for everything what i want in my life and then I have enough spare to be able to go, okay, I'm going to invest in this or I'm going to buy the new television or I'm going to do this. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that has been, a, I think that falls more within like my imposter syndrome what I had when I very first started out as well. I think that was mm. one of the big things for that. Yeah. Thanks, Danny. Okay. So here goes. Which of your partner's friends would you sleep with? Oh, <laughs> um, wow. So in a circle, probably one. Out of circle, probably two. Um, so <laughs> in a circle, she's got like, she's got one that's really nice. She's called Kate. Um, yep, naturally pretty, naturally bubbly. A, a lot of the traits, what I see in my girlfriend, which is a bit of a weird one to say. Um, so yeah, probably her. And then on the outer circle, I don't really know her name. I've only seen her a couple of times on pictures, but I thought, yeah, she's she's pretty pretty hot. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably Kate. She's um, I don't know what it is. Like she's literally like a carbon copy of my missus. She's got blonde hair. She's kind mm-hmm. of from the same area, same height. Um, the only difference is my my missus hasn't got a kid where she has. Oh. Mm-hmm. That, Maybe maybe I'm into milf, Nick. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> that could that could be the thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, what a question! What a question! <laughs> I here's think Mrs. knows that as well. To be fair, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so here's here's one. Um, which bad trait of your mum's have you inherited? Ah. Uh, probably about five hmm. um i think hmm, probably the, the the worst trait is probably when when in an argument um and this tends to be only my personal life and more, i'm more so just with my direct family mm-hmm. um probably just thinking constantly pushing and pushing and pushing waiting for an, an, an explosion to happen so, say for instance, if me and the missus are having an argument, which is very rare to be fair, um, I'll follow her around the house and continue her argument. So Why do you do that? Do you think? I don't know. I think it's it's, it's like um, I think it's got to be like a scoring competition. It's got to be. I think me know. I think having the last word. And it's not even last word. It's a fact of knowing. It's a bit like a game of of um, top trumps. It's whoever can say not the nastiest thing. But have that, yeah. I've said something. You've got no comeback. Like that's that's what it is for me. It's that trait that being able to follow someone around. And if at any point my missus is getting the better, um, the better, you know, winning the better, better part of the argument, I kind of I can't let that be. That will not happen. 
So I'll follow around and push and push and push. And you said explode. I mean, that yeah. seems different to kind of having the last word. Yeah. So the reason why I say explode is because my missus doesn't have, um, she doesn't have a temper on her. So, it, well, she does. She literally does. But it takes so, so much for her to kind of lose a plot. Um, so, yeah, I think like that's where the explode comes because that's kind of how she reacts. She can take it forever and ever and ever. But then, you know, when she loses it, when she loses her shit, yeah, you kind of need to get out of the way. So, yeah, that's probably where I get the explode from. Um, but it's got, to, it's got to be that trait of kind of following around and, and also slightly of, of kind of, of thinking you, you know best, mm-hmm. which, which is a bad trait to have. So it's weird because I can manage that in my professional life where I love feedback and criticism and, and stuff. But mm-hmm. in, in the personal life, with especially, it's not even with my like, friends, it's more with my direct family. That's like a different story. Hmm. I wonder if that's just because it's more personal. I don't know. What do you think, Nick? I don't think it's my place to judge. <laughs> I don't think I know enough about you. Um, it's very different. It's um, is why I ask about it because it's a very different way than I am. Mm. But I could imagine no more sort of being on the receiving end of that and wondering sort of why somebody was was doing it so that's that's why i was i was interested i guess yeah i I think so when i was younger like my mum my mum had so my mum's one side of my family is irish so my mum's always got this kind of my mum's an absolute psycho like if you if you (laughs) if you if you push my mum she'll like at one time so this is this is back to when I, i had a break and um i was kind of in the box room and I was losing the will to live. And I said, this house is like a prison. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. every every kind of immature 16 year old does, apart from I was probably around about 30. Um, and she sprinted up the stairs, like two or three stairs at a time in big strides. And she was downstairs polishing. So I could hear her sprint up the stairs and before I could kind of defend myself, she mm-hmm. hit me over the head with a tin of Mr. Sheen. So yeah, like I learned my lesson with my mum know how far to push but mm. yeah she's um she's an absolute nutter mm. <laughs> i don't think i've ever told that story out there i'll tell you before <laughs> very good yeah well next question yep if you had to leave your current orientation yep. and have a gay slash straight encounter what would you want your lover to be like Ooh. So, I think <clears throat> let's just forget. Let's just assume that I'm kind of. It's not going to be a one-time thing, and it's just going to be a forever thing. I think everybody wants the same thing. I think they want an absolute freak in the bedroom, and then on show they want like this nice, prim, proper person. So I think that's what I'd want. I'd want this freak in the bedroom, and then someone who can kind of show off to the family. However, however, nobody wants a freak in the bedroom if it's your first time. So there'd have to be some ground rules. So I guess it'd have to be someone who's quite understanding first um, and then kind of go, you know, crank that, that freak mode up to about 10 or 11. <laughs> that's yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. fair. I kind of give you a bit of insight into my sex life there, Nick, which is a bit awkward, yeah. but yeah. Well, I'm not going to ask the uh, what is 10 or 11 on the scale because that's not on the card, but you know, that might come up. Yeah, but, I think, no, I think, I think 10 or 11 is definitely, I think 10 or 11 is wherever your imagination taps out. So yeah. at some point, like, yeah, it's like, okay, this is quite extreme and I'm probably going to pass out here soon. So that's probably about 10 or 11. <laughs> Thanks. I think that's <laughs> the picture. Um, here's your next question. Which of your acquaintances really doesn't deserve the money that they have? Holy shit, that's a good question. Um, hmm, how do I answer this one? So I think, do I have to name him, Nick? No, you don't. Okay, 
so there's two there's two people i think there's one who's kind of fell into into money um and by kind of falling into money she's kind of devalued money as a whole so it's kind of the expectation of um she knows it's always there so by it always being there she kind of she doesn't I, when i when i look at it from the outside in you know she can be talking to someone who potentially doesn't have a lot of money and where it, she's got no empathy with it i guess she's got no empathy with the t how they're both on opposite ends of the spectrum so i'm not necessarily sure it's she doesn't deserve it i think because it's always been there and been given it's mm -hmm. it's kind of just often overlooked about the people who don't so there's one but there's a couple of people in, in the professional life where i'm like <laughs> you shouldn't not be on that salary um, but yeah again i think it's i think you know in our industry there's a, you know there's a lot of people who talk the talk but kind of can't back it up they've got a good 20 minute sales pitching them and then as soon as people go the next layer in depth in more detail they kind of yeah they're calling people who's built or who does the stuff rather than just talking about it um whether that means they don't deserve it or not i don't know you know they might you know i think everybody needs big thinkers and doers and you know you need the ants and the, you, the bees and the queen bee so maybe maybe it's not about deserving it maybe they just look at life differently and look at problems differently maybe that's what it is okay here's your next one okay. how was your childhood made you difficult to be around oh um i don't think it has i don't think it has i think my my, my childhood has 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 made me the opposite to being difficult around to the point where I try I've always tried because so when I was in school and when I was in primary school and, and, and so on and throughout university, uni and whatever else and, and a lot of time in my in my work life people kind of gravitate to me and this isn't trying to side sound like ego. But I think I'm just kind of quite fun to be around. Especially when you knock through them barriers of personal versus kind of professional. And when people get to know me on a more professional uh, on a more personal level, people kind of like to have a laugh with me. Um, where I've had people come into the office when, because obviously I work from home, when they come in and kind of when I'm coming in, I think the the downside to that is I'm always constantly trying to please people in the respect of I will give my time to all these people and then I'll come home and I'll forget about the people who's at home or that. Mm -hmm. Or I'll give all my time to all these other people, you know, who's out there, my friends or whatever, or these, these acquaintances or whatever. And then I'll come home and I'm completely, you know, I've got a mouthful of ulcers because I'm stressed, I'm run down, I've got whitlows on my fingers, kind of air on my skin peeling, because that's my, like, they usually my signs when I'm normal at my stress level. Um, what was it about your childhood, do you think, that made you that way? Um, I think it's just, I think it's just, I've always tried to be, um inclusive like i've always tried to if i've seen someone who's sat in a row i'll always try and bring them into a conversation or i'll bring them in to play games or um and i just i've, I've just always found kind of by having more people around you you get you have more fun like you have more ideas you have more fun more laughs more banter so i think i don't know whether it's it's not something obviously done by choice from when being a you know being a, a little kid um but then i kind of think about my family my family's quite close-knit and and very very similar to that respect my big brothers you know if you look at who who my role models were when i was growing up and my uncle who was really social and my big brother who's really social and everybody knows and kind of he's known as a funny guy and whatever else so i think having role models around me who have always been quite social, funny, good storytellers and whatever else, I think that's kind of shaped it. So I, I don't think it was necessarily by design. I think I've just always tried to, I've just always tried to be nice to people around me 
And I think sometimes that, that can be that's really, really good. 99.9% of the time, it's, it's just the fact of you need to realise you need to take a bit of time back for yourself, which I still am trying to get master. Even more. Yeah, good, a good five or six years from when I realised that. I'm still trying to master that now. Okay. Different direction. What might your friends be most surprised to learn that you would love to try professionally? Ooh. Mm. So it's interesting this because, okay, so there's two things. I've always wanted to do, and this isn't, this is, this is my creative brain, not necessarily the one which I really enjoy every single day. This is like, extreme moonshot kind of stuff i've always mm-hmm. wanted to write a child's book a kid's book and i've always wanted to do stand-up comedy um the stand-up comedy is probably going to happen next year so yeah but nobody really knows about that like when i'm telling stories and stuff like that we usually get quite a lot of laughs but i don't think i've ever shared it with anyone that that's what i want to do like uh, i just i think i want to do that because it's exciting and it's, mm-hmm. it's also very, very scary. Um, and the children's book idea, I think that comes from just having, I have quite, I think, I like to think I've got quite a good imagination. Um, and I just think everybody's got a kid's book inside of, I think it's just a case of, we have to nurture that out. But uh, them two things, a comedian, and I think comedian because I can be absolutely ruthless and I can just turn around and say it's comedy. That's, that's, that's quite empowering being able to say what 90% of the people don't want to say and wrap it up into a joke. Um, but yeah, that and... Would there be a, a message in the kids' book? Um, you know, a lot of, of kids' books seem to have not quite a moral of the tale, but there seems to be some sort of message. Would it have a message or or not? Mm, I think I think I would want to leave that message open. I'd think I'd want to create a book where it's got unicorns and rainbows in and all these other kind of big flamboyant kind of imaginary kind of big colorful things um but i think i'd want to leave a book open for people to take what they need from that when they need it um and yeah. i know that kind of sounds quite deep for a kid's book but i just think you know when you look at kind of rodal i love rodal's books like whenever i'm having a bit of a creative flair you know a creative kind of hitting the wall or my imagination isn't fine enough i'll always go back to kind of rodal and mm. and every time i read the, the book like my favorite one is um boy and every time i read that book or i read another one of his it's kind of i can take what i want from it and sometimes it's just a bit of a creative flair or sometimes it's a lot of it's just escapism and being able to kind of use that to take me out of work or of your life so maybe maybe the message of a book is having having that opportunity to kind of disappear into your own imagination and read read this book of fairy tale or imagination or what somebody else has kind of left there for you to, to escape into. Yeah. Great. So next question is, what do you wish you could ideally tell your mother? Um, what do I wish I could tell my mother? Um, I, I think there's two things, probably two messages. Is one kind of people grow up and and they have their own ideas and their own minds and their own thoughts. And you know, when when you look at your mum and dad, and they are a big part of your world. And if this was a book, they have a large percentage of the chapters within that book. But when somebody leaves the nest home, the second part of that book turns into different chapters and they stop becoming the, the foundation of them future chapters and more mm-hmm. more like guest stars within them chapters. And I think for my mum, that's hard for my mum. My mum always wants to be part of them future, them, them future chapters, if you like. And I think sometimes it's a case of you can't control that. People have their own lives and they have their own kids. And as much as it, it probably pains you and it hurts you to kind of 
be put on the back burner a little bit. It's kind of it is what it is, and people's priorities and 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 things change. My mum's mm-hmm. kind of always been one of the people who who kind of want to keep everything so so close knit. And obviously, you know, people have their own they have their own adventures inside them for where they want to go. And sometimes that adventure doesn't always lead to constantly being around the parents. So I think mm-hmm. maybe it's a case of just letting go a little bit. Um, yeah, I think that, and I think it's just, you know, kind of, we're okay. I don't know, I think my mum worries a little bit about my brother, my big brother and stuff like that. And I think she needs to let go of that a little bit in order to kind of just, yeah, take a breath and understand that people figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Danny. Your next question is someone who earns very little a sexual turn on or turn off? <laughs> oh. um, it's not, it's not a turn off. It's definitely not a turn off. I don't know. Part of me wants, like, there's a part of me that says it, it's kind of like a little bit of a turn on actually. But I don't know if that's a professional turn on, and I think they're two very different things. So maybe I should clear that up. <laughs> I, think, I think, like, when I say professional turn on, I think it's is opportunity. Like, you know, a lot of time people who are on a, a, a small salary always want more salary, and then, mm-hmm. and, and usually behind that is drive mm-hmm. to get where they want to get to. And I think with drive, if you mix that in with passion. Like yeah. it's nice to watch someone develop really quickly because of that. Um, from a sexual point of view, I'm kind of on the fence of it. It's not really a hit or miss. If I like someone, chances are I really don't give it a second thought. What's the later on? Um, yeah, it's not really a, a thing for me. Yeah, yeah, got it. So glad I, um, I cleared up that professional and personal. <laughs> I've gotten like a right rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, different direction. Okay. What conflicts are created by money in your family? Um, what conflicts? Mm. I think, I think it's, it's kind of going back to that original one about someone who's, who's kind of got money who doesn't deserve it. Um, so, my, my older brother, he's, he kind of, He's self-employed, so he, he, you know, as most self-employed people will tell you, they go through peaks and troughs, really high highs and low lows on on work coming in. Um, and what my brother tends to do is, when he's on a high high, he tends to spend his money on other people around him. So because it's a bit like that, that kind of like um, image we see where it's Iron Man payday, and then a man in boxes two days after. And that's that's a great example of my brother. So he, he's got like a massive heart, and when he's if he's got money in his pocket and money in his bank account, he wants to for some reason he wants to kind of give it out to people. Um, and then the conflict comes when you're like, you've just been paid. Where is it all gone? Well, I'd give Bob some, and I'd give Sue some, and I'd give X some. You're like, come on, man, think about this. Think longer term. <clears throat> so it's not necessarily like a nasty conflict. I think that just stems from him, his high highs are that, like being able to help other people with money. Like if he's got one of his friends who want to go out for a meal or whatever, my, my big brother's kind of always the person who'll go, oh, I'll borrow you that. I'll borrow that money so you can come out. And then he does that knowing it's going to, it's going to bite him in the bum in, in, a, in a week's time when maybe yeah. he hits a bit of a low point and he needs to call that money and he can't get it back. Yeah. I don't know if that's great, like I've explained it, but yeah. Yeah, I understand. Right. Here's a question for you. Okay. Um describe the first time you had sex. Oh wow. Okay. So it's with a girl <laughs> called Emma. <laughs> and um Yeah, so it's it's a bizarre one. If anyone ever asked me kind of Am I into kind of blondes or brunettes? I always say brunettes, but yet, yeah, first time was with a blonde. My partner's blonde. 
the other girl I mentioned, she's blonde. Like, yeah. But anyway, um, so it was with a girl called Emma, and probably what must have been fifteen, maybe yeah, fifteen, and standard at a party, and I was out. It was me, Emma, Tony, and Stacey. So Tony's a guy, and he was seeing Stacey, and anyway, we decided to go for a walk, as you do, you know, drunken about eleven o'clock at night. So it was just us two and Tony and Stacey, and we we go we we go for a walk onto these uh we call them we call them the rooks, but basically it's all coal mines, you know, where where dirt bikes go on and stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we started walking there. Ben man, it's pitch black now at this point. There's no lights. It's kind of like you know it's dark. And Tony and Stacey go wondering on. And my first experience is probably like most people in the out open door. I you know everyone could could see it if you wanted to. So me and me and Emma get to it and like it's all fingers and thumbs and like yeah, like I can't ever remember someone ever teaching me to kind of put protection on. So that was just a nightmare for me. Like I'm I'm kinda of nervous and excited because this is gonna be it first time and I'm happy and whatever else. Yeah. But then obviously I'm kind of making sure I'm doing it the right way, safety first. And uh yeah, so we get to it and and um so we're kind of cracking on, doing a thing, and I heard some rustling. And I was like, what's going on? So I continued. And then I heard Tony and Stacey going, run, run, and I could see they was running up to me. So kind of didn't do the do, didn't finish the thing. Like we cracked on, but we didn't finish. And then, so I jumped up, and then what we seen was there was a guy in the bushes watching us. Oh, wow. so my very first experience, some guy was was watching us in the bushes. So yeah, that was my very first experience, which should be remembered for the right reasons. But instead, I was probably some kind of some guy's little twisted fantasy. But hey, if I pleased him, I pleased him. I'm more than happy about that. Gotta give him a memory <laughs> as well. That's your um, pleasing people side coming out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, she was. Uh, it was like we never, we never kind of got to it again. Hmm. Mm probably says a lot actually but yeah that was my first time but then kind of my a lot of my kind of yeah experiences sexual experiences have always been random anyway like there was a time when in Malia there was a time kind of oh so not sure how much I'm not sharing this Nick but there was a time when I was in Malia and I got with this girl she was from Newcastle and Mm -hmm. then she was nice. She was a nice girl. Like, you know, it, I was on an 1830s holiday. So this probably shares a bit. Time tells you where this story is going. And her friends kind of disappeared. She, they went home. So she was left in this 1830s. So she joined our group. So I brought her in our group. And for like two weeks, she was with us. Anyway, um, so, so kind of we got together. And kind of we went on a beach. Malia, as you probably, as most 1830s probably do. And then probably for that week, we was kind of like, it was like a holiday romance. And I remember we went on a boat trip and um, she didn't she didn't come out on this boat trip and I got absolutely hammered on this boat trip. So when the boat trip come in, like, I think it was like Uzo or something. I can't remember now, I was young. And I went, I went directly to her apartment. Anyway, drunken, we kind of got it on. I remember as, as we was getting it on, so there's a... So I can't, I, this is hard to say this out loud, but um, <laughs> hammered, kind of like doing the do, and I managed to to snap my, my banjo card. <laughs> and I remember pulling out, and I, I was drunk at this point. I remember looking down, and my hands were covered in blood. And I remember just thinking, oh, my God, is that me? Or is that me just being, like, a bit bit rough? Like... And then instantly I felt this sharp pain, like literally go through my body. So for the the second week of my whole Malia experience was horrific. I didn't have a ball to go to the hospital. And um, yeah, it was probably probably one of the worst experiences of my life. So I hope your listeners enjoy that that picture there. (laughs) But I take it uh, you recovered. um, Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of. So it kind of, so once it, once it goes, it goes, and then it can kind of heal, but then it just becomes a little bit weak. So over time, it's kind of just become a little bit, yeah, probably mm. pretty much, yeah, it's not really there much now. 
Yeah. Right. I'm going to move on. (laughs) (laughs) Something about work now. Um, Okay. (laughs) When you fear you might have wasted your life, what do you hate about your job? Um, I hate about my job is the fact that people demand and want change. And when you give them change and you show them what change looks like, the the bullshit bureaucracy, the, the processes behind what they want doesn't uphold the idea. Mm-hmm. So I hate when someone goes, oh, we want X, Y, Z, and we want change, and we want innovation, and we want people, we want this to matter to people, and we want to do this, and we want to do that. And you go, okay, cool. Well, this is what that looks like, and this is how we can get there. And then you go, yeah. oh, that's, that's a little bit too out there. And like, well, what do you really want? Do you want that, or are you just kind of, giving it work, like lip service to what you really want. Mm. That's a big frustration for me. Um, and I think people get stuck in a ways. And we, we talk about how change is happening. But in our industry, I think, Nick, our industry is built on, on really old foundations of classroom and whatever else and whatever else. And... 50% of our industry want change and the other 50% hate the idea of that because they're the people who are doing the classrooms and are doing the day rates and are doing the kind of putting, using this to put food on the plates for the families. So it's hard because you've got 50% who want the change and 50% who fear it because they think, where's my work going to be coming from? And it's just, I don't know. We, we you know, We talk about kind of we talk about how, what the future of learning looks like or the future of work or the future of whatever else. And in some respects you go, yeah, okay, I get it. But in some respects you go, it's just going to take so, so long to even get anywhere near that. I don't know. It's a frustration. It's a frustration for sure. What do you think it is that, that holds people back and, and why is it that you don't feel the same way as they do? Um, People like comfort. People like... I think people like knowing where they are. You know, if I, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to describe it. People like knowing what their routines, they like knowing what their day-to-day looks like. They like knowing that if they do this, the outcome will be this because they've done it time and time and time before. And the justification is, is that, well, I've done this five times before and I've, I've always got a result. And you go, yeah, but is that result what you really wanted? Or is that you just, just getting comfortable? So, I don't know. I think the higher up people go in the food chain of, of salary or whatever else, maybe they think the higher you go up, the, the less opportunities for to gamble and, and risk. So, mm-hmm. I think, I think, yeah, I would never want to be top, top dog because I think they just, you, blinkers get put on what you can achieve. And in some respects, people like the secure, the one what's been tried and tested. And sometimes, you know, we can do tried and tested for as long as we want, but we're always going to get this kind of, this present, this, what what it looks like now. I don't know if that was a bit of a ramble, but yeah. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Right, a couple more questions. Yep. What are the worst sides of your partner? Um, <laughs> so my, my partner's really intelligent. Um, but she's got no common sense. That's probably one. Um, and she lets me get away with murder, which in some point, in some respects, I'm like, I like that a lot. But in some respects, it doesn't really keep me on my toes too often. Um, so yeah, I, I think that goes back to that thing of explosion. Like maybe that's why I push for that because it kind of makes you go, oh shit, like I don't know what's going to happen next. So yeah, I think because she's she because she understands me really really well better than anybody else Mm. maybe that's why she gives me the freedom to do what i want to do and and try these different things but funny that you should draw that connection that um you push for the point where you don't know what's going to happen next it's almost like an appetite for risk and uncertainty yeah it's true yeah i think that i think that's a good shout i think um Again, it goes back to that thing of we, we all want a certain percentage of, of the norm within our lives. 
um, and, and comfort and we know what, you know, I know that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and Helen's going to be there. Um, but in some respects, I think every now and again, everybody wants that awkward moment of you don't know whether your partner's going to get in the bath with you or chuck the radio in at you. Like, I think there's a nice fine line there. But then I say I want that, but then if I got that, I probably would hate it. I would probably hate that. Having to be on my toes, it'd be stress central all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think that's naturally what it is. People want what we, we might not necessarily have all the time. Because don't get me wrong, like I have, I have that thing of I don't know what's coming sometimes with Helen. Um, but I think people crave the thing what we don't have all the time. And then when they have it, they're like, mm, this isn't for me. Mm. So, yeah, it's a, it's a mm. good question. But she has, she does have no common sense. Um, yeah, so I did a trick with her yesterday. And I, I put, so I kind of re- I recorded it. I'll, I'll send it to you later, Nick. But I put this piece of pretend string over her head. I said, right, you order this one one piece of string. And I'll this one. And she went, right, okay. So I said, pull it. And as I pulled it, I slapped her across the face, joking. I'm like, how can how can you not see that was happening? She just she's just got no common sense. But then she's she's really she's pretty intelligent. So I'll give her that because I'm not intelligent, but I have quite good common sense. So I think we're a good balance. I think <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's what good relationships are. I think if we're a seesaw, and everything what's right about me is wrong about Helen. Anything what's wrong about Helen is right about me, and we we balance each other out somewhere in the middle. Mm. Very good. Couple more. Yeah. So here's, um, oh, here's one. What do you find erotic in the workplace? <sighs> Glasses. Um, Glasses. Yeah. So like. So I think I think. Years and years and years ago, probably probably about 16, 17, I remember I watched this film, I'm sure it was called The Secretary, something like that. And there was, it was a typical businesswoman, kind of glasses on, you know, but really over the top, unrealistic kind of thing. But I like, I do like a girl in glasses, I do. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think there's something around that. Because I mean, realistically, the workplace isn't really, for, well, for me, it's not really like my my go to for kind of yeah. It's not it's not the first thing what jumps out to mind when I yeah. think of erotic. Um but yeah, I think I think it must be like it's got it's gotta be kind of glasses and I, I do like a there's a there's an element of power as well within that. But I'm not really sure I'm not really sure where that mix is. Um Mm. And I'm not trying to say every single girl, I don't think that about every single girl, but I think it stems from when you were a kid, it was a teacher. Like, you know, there was, there was always that hot teacher and, and I can remember my hot teacher being wearing glasses. She always looked really smart, and really professional and kind of really intelligent. So I'm not sure if that's kind of just followed me and just adapted itself throughout, you know, my professional life. I'm not really sure. Yeah, it's a good theory. Hmm. I could just be massively wrong and just like someone in glasses. I'm not really sure. <laughs> All right. Final question. Okay. So, um, the question is, what's the relationship between how you were messed up as a child and how you might mess up your children as a parent? Hmm. Mm, that's a good question. Um... I'm not really sure if I was messed up as a child. Uh, I think maybe I was over, probably overprotected a little bit as a child. Um, mm. In one respect, I was overprotected, and then in the other respect, I had complete creative freedom to do whatever I wanted to do and express myself however I wanted to express myself. Um, but and and be a little bit daring and kind of mm. a little bit adventurous, which is really really good. However. You know, there's a fine line between that adventurous thing. Like when I look at some of the stuff what I've done in the past, being the adventure seeker, right? Like what I kind of am, the adrenaline seeker. There's been some really kind of murky situations where I found myself going, "Wow, I could have died there." Um, mm. 
oh, I've done something and I'm like, whoa, that's like there's this one time when it was bonfire night and I was driving um I was driving so we up near us we have this really high point where you can see for miles and miles and miles and on bonfire night it looks really nice. And I remember it was raining. So it completely just wiped out the whole evening. And I was driving to my mum's and my mum lives on like a really steep hill. And as I was driving down, I was fuming. And there was this, this group of little like chubby lads walking across and we seen the car. We seen the car coming down. And we did what most groups of young lads do, just stepped out, seeing the car and kind of walked as slow, making this eye contact. So in my mind, I was like, right, I'm not stopping for him. This is a thing. So I thought I'll drive and I'll swerve right, you know, around him. However, as I continued to drive, that group disbanded and a, a guy went right as I went right. So, yeah, I managed to clip him <laughs> in the car. I didn't run over him. I clipped him. And I remember going, holy shit, that's just happened, kind of. So I stopped. And I was about to get out. And then they started throwing, like, bottles at me and stuff. So then I decided to just drive on. So in theory, I did like maybe that was a hit and run. Um, but I'm not really sure. But but I guess that kind of adventurous of, oh, well, it happened, kind of just crack on with life can sometimes bite you in the ass, especially in that situation where, you know, that could have been a lot, lot different. And yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember knowing that, I remember seeing the guy a couple months later because he lived at the top of my mum's street. I remember seeing him, so I knew he was alive. Um, and to be honest, he got up straight away anyway. I'm sure he was fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that story had a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be honest, though, I have been run over as well. So, like, when I was in school, I got off a bus, and I think I must have done the exact same thing. So I got off a bus, I seen this car coming up the road and I mm-hmm. sworn he put his foot down and he clipped me but this was on like a proper main road like when I hit that guy I must have been doing like 10 miles per hour because it was raining safety yeah. first whatever however when this guy hit me it was on a busy main road the M6 near us I remember he hit me across the road and I kind of span on the floor like a star across this main road mm-hmm. I remember I got up and the first thing I did being British I apologised to the traffic for holding him up got my bag and ran across the road. And the guy kind of, he did, the, he did the right thing. He kind of checked up on me. He was like, are you okay? And I was in, I was in shock. And uh, yeah. the only thing what I can remember going on in my, in my mind was, oh, stranger danger, stranger danger. And he's like, do you want to get in my car? I was like, no, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll go home. And I remember my pants were all shiny where the lights like, skidded across mm-hmm. the road and it just melted a little bit. I remember my brother got in from school and he shouted me, and I was like, where were you? So I, I was upstairs, and he walked into the bathroom, and I was in probably about eight inches of cold water, in shock. Wow. So, yeah, so maybe that was karma. Maybe I got hit by the car, and then I did the hitting by another car. But, um, hmm. yeah, I think, see, so, I don't know. Maybe, 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 hearing myself say that out loud, the way my mum maybe screwed me up was, was probably bravery to a point because in one respect I think I could I should have got out of that car to a group of maybe you know I think there's probably 10 or 15 lads but then in, in one respect I also had Helen in the car and my niece hmm. I don't know maybe maybe I made the right decision maybe I made the wrong one that's a good hmm. Hmm. it's an interesting one but yeah <laughs> well that was um, that was your last question um, thanks Danny for answering the question so honestly um but i wanted to ask um how was that what did you think um that was really good i think uh it's a good set of questions and in some respects i'm kind of nervous because because I, I said to myself before i come on to this podcast i was like i'm just going to talk like how i how i talk to my friends and if i talk to my friends in the pub i would tell them these stories there's an element of doubt in my mind where you go, hmm, this is going to go out to a larger audience. It's going to, and potentially it's going to be your, your professional friends who, who, who may, might make assumptions based on this story. So there's always that element of doubt. But then I think kind of going back to that thing of there's professionals and, and personal us. And I think the more we can be the real us, 
the better everybody can have better conversations and better laps at me getting knocked over and me doing a hit and run passively. But not and also, you're, you're a risk taker as well, so. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll see that when I get my P5. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that's it, you'll see me in the local newspaper with Balaclava on, I've been doing an arm <laughs> robbery. I've got no money for the house. <laughs> but no, it's good, Nick. It was really good. I enjoyed that a lot. Thanks, Danny. Yeah, I enjoyed talking to you. Awesome. Perfect. Cool. Cheers, Nick. All right. Thank you. Good to you. Bye-bye.